podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Full of frustration. Full of despair. From years of hurt, disappointment and relegation. Two British football fans have had enough. Canary Bird Elliot Holman and Wanderer Henry Hewitt are in search of glory, pride, passion, in search of silverware. And they found Major League Soccer. Hello and welcome to the MLS UK show. My name's Henry Hewitt and I'm joined by... Oh, no, he's still on honeymoon. Uh, just me again today. Uh, Elliot will be back in a few weeks. But for now, how exciting. It's time for part two of my chat with Danny Higginbottom. Uh, if you've not listened to part one, then make sure on your podcast provider, you just go back one episode. Same on YouTube as well. It's right there. Uh, it's well worth listening to. A, a basket of knowledge of MLS. And uh, I really enjoyed the whole chat. So this is part two. But before we go into part two, I just need to say thank you to our sponsors, Soccer90.com. Uh, if you go to Soccer90.com, they have got all the latest uh, jerseys for you to have a look at and purchase as well. We're talking EPL, the new Man United shirts on there. They've got Bayern Munich. They've got PSG. Get ready for the World Cup. They've got Colombia on there as well and the States. And also they've got MLS gear as well. Uh, when you're on there, if you decide what you want and you get to the checkout in the discount code, type MLS UK and you can get 20% off. So it's well worth doing. So a big thank you to our sponsors once again, Soccer90.com. Right, now for part two of my chat with Danny Higginbottom. We heard in part one him talk about MLS and uh, moving over to the States to commentate on Philadelphia, the rest of MLS and some EPL matches as well. And now it's time for part two, where I kicked it off by asking him about Wayne Rooney. Of course, a man who played hundreds of matches in the EPL. He came up against Wayne Rooney quite a few times. But I asked him how he's going to make that transition into part two of his time in MLS. And now he's got a tracksuit on as head coach of DC United. The MLS UK Show. Um, I don't necessarily think it will take... Wayne Rooney time to adjust. You know, what he did at Derby County last season was unbelievable. If he'd have, if he'd have kept them up, that would have been probably the most incredible, one of the most incredible stories ever. You know, the points deduction that they had, the players that they lost and things like that. And they nearly did it. So I don't think, I don't think Wayne Rooney's coming over here and being like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to change this tab, do this, do that. It's it will take time. You know, they they've lost a few players. You know, Gressel's recently just gone and he's one of one of the best wing backs in in the league, you know you've got um, you've got Fontas who's hit the ground running, but you know there, there's things obviously that Wayne Rooney's going to come over and look at and say okay this this may take a little bit of time, but his credentials is in terms of what he did in England is absolutely brilliant and what that tells you again about MLS is that the growth of the league once again because I feel that if Wayne Rooney had stayed in England it wouldn't have been long before a top championship club would have come knocking or potentially a Premier League club because of what he did at Derby County. So for him to come over here, come back to DC, where obviously he did so well as a player, that speaks volumes about, about the league because I'm pretty sure that he will have had offers in England and then he would have been getting more offers as the season went on as well. So I think it's, it's a huge positive for the league 
And I think everybody understands when a new manager comes in at, at times to a club, sometimes it, it's going to take a little bit of time because you've got the roster that you have to change and you have to do certain things and the different elements within MLS that may be different to, to transfers in, in other parts of the world. So it can take time. But if you're talking about his ability to manage and what he did, he will never have to deal with a bigger pressure than what he had to deal with at, at Derby County last year, where it wasn't just about, is his team going to get relegated? It was about, is this team going to exist next week or, you know, the next two weeks? So I think that, I think that he'll do a great job, but like I say, it, it will take time to turn, to turn things around because they've not had, they've not had a great season. So what would be a, a good season for DC? We spoke about this on the podcast, like what do we expect from Wayne Rooney in the immediate future? For you, what would be a good season for DC? Should they be aiming at playoffs or is it just getting a bit of consistency going into next season? I think obviously it's, yeah, it's, and it's stabilising. You know, I, I remember, obviously I hadn't moved over here at the time, but a few years ago, they had a crazy result. It was against Orlando. This was a few years ago. And then that just took them on this unbelievable run. It took them on an unbelievable run. I think they ended up making the playoffs. You know, I, I may be wrong, but I think they went on this crazy run. And before they played, I think it was Philadelphia Union, they played Orlando and had a crazy result, 1-5-3. One, one, and I remember speaking to, to Chad Ashton, who was obviously the, the interim manager at the time. And I mentioned that to him and he said, yeah, he said, but there's been, there's been a big turnover since then. There's not many players still at the club from that time. So you just you just never know what can happen. There'll be so many teams within MLS looking and going, if we can get on a good run, then we could make the playoffs. But I think for DC, yeah, this season, I think it's about stabilising. I think it's about Wayne Rooney now coming in and saying, right, OK, what is the style that this team needs to play? You know, Ravel Morris, Morrison's just come in. If he can get him playing like he did at Derby, then you've got a great player there. You've got a player that can really pick a pass that can create so much for his teammates. So I think that's what the rest of this season will be about, deciding what's Wayne Rooney's style, what's the system, what's the players that he wants, what, does, what else does he need to bring in, whilst also trying to get results as well and then see where it takes them. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned Ravel Morrison there, of course. Um, he's always been, we've known about him in England for so long as this player, but mm. he's got all this talent, but he just hasn't shown it. And yeah, if he, can, he's, he, he did show it at Derby last season, so... Uh, maybe a new start in a new, um, you know, a new country can do him some good. And uh, if Wayne Rooney's got it out of him before, he can. I'm sure he can do it again. Um, Ravel coming over is because he's still at a, a decent age. He's still got a few years left in him. Are, are you seeing now a change um, from players within the UK who are, who are now considering MLS a bit more than perhaps say in your day? Yeah, I, th I think so, because I, I think what, what you're starting to see now is MLS is getting a bigger platform all the time with the people that the people that are coming into, into the league, whether it be as a manager, whether it be as players. But the players, the younger players that are leaving the league as well, because they've done so well and are going into Europe and going and having success. So I think then what happens is all of a sudden it's like, well, hang on a second, you're getting these top players coming over and the, the age is getting younger now when these players are coming over to MLS, which I think is a huge thing. But then not just that, you're also seeing, well, hang on a second, you're getting lads moving from MLS now and going to big clubs in Europe, huge clubs in Europe. You're then seeing them going to the Premier League. And all of a sudden, you're seeing previous MLS managers now doing well in Europe. 
So I think when you add all of that together, I think it becomes a very, very attractive proposition um, for, for, for players to want to come over because there's so much now that's working in their favour. You look at Shakiri, another player who's come over. You know, players that are... I look at Gareth Bale and he's, what is he, 32, 33? I don't doubt for one minute that he could probably have stayed in Europe without a question. I think he's still got so much to offer, but he's decided that, you know, he wanted to, to come over to America. So I think there's a lot of different instances. If someone says, well, okay, why would you, why would you want to go over to MLS? There's so many things now, whereas if you go years back, obviously it wouldn't have been the same. Now it's, well, the young players that are coming through, the, the players that are coming over, the managers that are having success in MLS and then going elsewhere. So, you know, it's, it's probably at its highest stock that it's ever been now. And I think the idea now is that it, it keeps growing. And I don't see any reason why it can't keep growing in a real positive way. So, uh, Danny, I want to ask you a bit about your career and uh, because uh, there's a few bits that do link nicely to MLS, which I'll explain in a moment. But um, just on the your point there about saying about how it's growing, the Apple TV deal that has been signed this summer, um, what are your thoughts on it and what do you think it can do for the league? Well, I think I think straight away what what you're doing, straight away when when Apple gets involved, you know, I think straight away that signifies something, you know, because they're 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 one of the biggest brands in the world, you know. So I think I think that's that's going to help hugely. I think the fact that now it becomes it becomes worldwide, so people can watch it all over the world, I think is another big thing. And I think it, it, it makes sense. I think a lot of people say, you know, you've got the locals and, and things like that. Obviously, that's going to go. And that's, that's, that's been great. I, I enjoy doing the local games for Philadelphia Union. But, you know, as time goes on, things have to change. And it's like, okay, well, if you want to keep going forward, you want to keep moving forward, then we need to alter things. So the, the potential, I know we always talk about growth, we talk about potential, but that's what it is now. And I think now that this has been done, your next, your next, um, your next level, so to speak, is now right. Okay, well, the broadcasting side of things. Now, can you get even more people involved in terms of watching it? You know, you you have this huge window now of opportunity. You've got the US, obviously, in the World Cup coming up in Qatar. They're hosting it. You know, one of the hosts should have saying twenty twenty six. So the the chance now to make football bigger than ever in this country is there. And I think when you look at the new deal that's been done with Apple, only going to help because that, that automatically is like, wow, okay, well, they're getting involved with it. So, you know, the, the room for growth, the, the opportunity that, that's going to come the league's way, it is, you know, it's, it's, a no, it's a no-brainer in terms of making, of making that move. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out and how they go about it. But, like I say, you know, it's it's a massive opportunity now in this window between now really in 2026 when the World Cup comes to comes to America to say, right, okay, this is where we're at now. And then that 2026 range or even just before, that can become the pinnacle where, you know, football just goes completely crazy over here leading up to the World Cup. Yeah, well, we certainly hope that happens. And uh, we hope as well the US men's national team, if they're doing well, adding on that, the MLS and uh, the Apple deal, it can only be good. And I think we yes. both we both agree that if MLS, if soccer explodes in America, then, you know, it's, it takes it to a different level, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. And, and there is, you know, there's, 
you know, there's so many people here, you know, and you, you, you look at the top sports, you know, I'm, I'm not saying for one second that football is going to challenge NFL in the next two, three years, because it's not, you know, it's not going to, but what it can do and where it can get to, you know, I think there is a time where it can challenge and be the top sport over here. That's going to take time, but the signs at the moment are great because all of a sudden you're, you'll have people like I'll be walking around, you'll have people come up to you wanting to talk about certain things to do with football, wanted, wanted, wanting to discuss MLS and not just Philadelphia Union, other teams and things like that. And it's great because all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know what, people people are really now taking notice of the sport. And a lot of work a lot of work was done well before I came here. And there's a lot of people that have had such a, such a big part to play in it. And I'm just fortunate that I've I've been able to get involved in the last year or so. So, Danny, I want to talk about your career. This is the first time, obviously, coming onto the show. So I want to uh, discuss a career that I obviously uh, knew very well, being a, a, an English football fan at the time where you were uh, you were playing. But as we mentioned before, you are a Mancunian. You did start at Manchester United. Uh, what was that like? Because we'll have a lot of MLS fans who are also Manchester United fans. What was it like growing up at, well, one of the biggest clubs in the world? Oh, it was incredible. For me, it was just unbelievable. It was a it was a dream come true for me. All all my family are Reds. You know, there's um there's no in between. All all my family are Reds. And I was there from like the age of 10. And I had grades like Nobby Styles, may he rest in peace. You know, he was coaching me, Eric Harrison, another one unfortunately passed away. Legendary coaches, and then all of a sudden, you know, you then become become an apprentice and you see that unbelievable team at the time. So I'm talking 95, 96, 97, all the way up to the treble team. You know, your likes of Cole, York, Keane, Scholes, you know, Beckham, Giggs, Neville, Schmeichel, Stam. The list just goes on and on and on. And it was just, it, it, it was an honour for me to just be involved. And then you got the greatest manager in, in the world in Sir Alex Ferguson. To be around that for, as a full-time you know, from when I left school at 16 to when I was 21, to be around that for five years was just, was incredible to make my debut, my full debut at Old Trafford in, I think it was 1999, was was unbelievable. And, and just to to play for the, to play for the team six, six, seven times, that was it, to go on, you know, journeys around Europe with them, to go to the World Club Championships, you know, to go to Brazil, to go to Tokyo. It was just something that at the age of 21, and that's the team that I've supported all my life. How do you beat that? And your career's only just starting. So it was, I just consider myself so thankful that that was able to, that was able to be there from, from, from a young age and, you know, to, to be able to play a few games for them as well. Now, I know time's obviously moved on, but I mean, if there's any MLS coaches that are, are watching this and, uh, if you could give them one, just one thing that Sir Alex did that made him so good as a bit of advice to them in the modern day, what would it be? He was just, he was, he, he was a people person. Like everyone talks about him being theory and things like that in the dressing room and the, you know, the hairdryer thing, which, which he, which he, he obviously could be with plays and things like that. But he knew everything about everybody. You know, like as a, as a, as a young kid, you're going in there and he, he had this aura about him where, you knew he was near you before you saw him. And I, I've never had that around anybody else ever before. And then he'd walk up to you and then he'd have 
just a conversation with you. I'm I'm a, I'm a snotty old spotty face, 16, 17 year old. And, you know, and he's, he's having this conversation with me and it was just, it was incredible. You know, I, I played in Belgium for, for a year. Um, and then he was great when I came back and then I never forget, um, about two and a half years ago, just before I moved over here, just before he, he had his illness, which, you know, thankfully he's fully recovered from now. I was coming back from London. I've been working in London and I was on a train and I've gotten to the train and he sat there. It's the first time I've seen him in years. And I walked past him and I was like, it, I, I've always been the same way. If there's someone that's been my manager in the game, I never call them by their first name or their second name. It's always gaffer or it's always boss. I don't care whether you were my manager for two months, three months. It's just a, a respectful thing that I've got. And he just said, oh, how are you, Danny? He was like, I'm fine, boss. You know, how are you? Fine. So then as I walked past him, he just turned around to him, where are you going? And went, what do you mean? He went, come and sit with me. And I was sat down across from him for, for like two hours on the train. And we just talked about anything and everything. And he remembered like the, the big injury that I had. He remembered my parents. He remembered like so much. And that was such a, that's such a big thing for me, especially when you're a kid. And he didn't care whether you were the biggest name at the club or whether you were one of the younger players, a 16, 17 year old, whether you were a chef at the club, whether you were the kit man, whether you were the physio, we treated everybody the same. And that was a massive thing. And about four years after I'd left, we played Manchester United when I was at Southampton. And we, need, we needed a win or a draw to stay up. And they ended up beating us. And that sent us down. We got relegated on the last, last day of the season. And i never forget, I was one of the last ones into the changing rooms. And as I'm walking into the changing rooms, he waited for me outside our dressing room. And he just apologised. He was just like, I'm really... Really sorry, you know, I'd play the strongest team, da 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 da. And I was just like, pardon? I said, like, you're, you're, you're apologizing to me. And it was just, but that just tells you so much about him as an individual. With, with he, he was, he was brilliant. Even like I say, I didn't get to spend that much time because I left when I was 21, wasn't good enough to be in that first team, which, you know, isn't a problem when you look at the squad that they had at the time. Um, but yeah, he, he had such a huge influence on, on my career in, in every aspect. And he, he was just, he was just a genius and so far ahead of his time. Yeah. I mean, that's such an amazing story and, and it does correlate with a lot of what other people have said, you know, you hear other people who have been coached by him and managed by him who all say, I've got similar stories, so mm. uh, yeah, you must be uh, you must be quite honoured to have had that just that little bit of time yes. with him. Um, I know when you went to Belgium, you had a difficult period, and I know he helped you out at the end of that. But what I wanted to ask in regards to that, because you went to Antwerp on loan, um, mm. you've seen a lot of MLS players at the moment that are uh, going over to Belgium and Austria. You know, these sort of smaller leagues within Europe as a sort of stepping stone to to one of the bigger leagues. What advice would you give to one of these players who perhaps is going to a league like you in Belgium, but you don't really know much about it? How do you adapt? How do you learn very quickly about that? You've just got to embrace it. You have to embrace it. I think if you, because I've, I've, had, I've had different experiences of it. So I went over to, to Belgium, played at Antwerp, and it was 18, I think it was 18 different nationalities at the time. And everybody just embraced everybody you know the, there was different cultures everybody respected that and 
you know, then I had it in England where I saw foreign players come over. I saw, regardless of the quality of the player, I saw players come over and embrace the culture and straight away it made life so much more easy for them. Whereas there was other players that would come over and be like, oh, you know what, but I, I miss this from home and this from home and that from home. And I, you, you just have to, wherever you go, I think there's two things really. I think if you embrace the culture of wherever you go to, whatever country, whatever city, I think you end up feeling better. You get, you get used to the area quicker if you embrace everything. But not just that, I think you gain the respect of your teammates and the supporters as well. And I think that is a... That is a huge thing. So, for example, Philadelphia Union, Stuart Finlay, you know, he he came over and he would have played a lot more MLS games if it wasn't Jack Elliott and Jacob Lesnar's, you know, arguably two of the best centre-backs in the league. But he embraced, he embraced everything about the city. He embraced the culture. He embraced the players, embraced the club. And then every time he was called upon, he was magnificent. He would never let anybody down. He was brilliant. And... He's now gone back. He's just joined Oxford United and, you know, good luck to him. You know, I hope he does really well because he's a, he's a great guy. But you could see from the minute he came over, the Philadelphia fans just took to him because he embraced everything about the city. He embraced what the city stood for as well. And that, that for me is the biggest thing. Having gone and played abroad is, I loved, I loved it. Antwerp you know and, and it was very difficult for me the first three games after the third game and I got there as a 19 year old kid everyone expected me to turn things around as a left back and after my third game we got beat 5-0 I go back to the stadium and I'm like being naive I'm like oh there's loads of supporters waiting for us that, that that's brilliant so all the players get off the bus I get off the bus last and they come for me like all of them are coming for me and then the manager's wife she pushed them all out of the way and I said to the manager I said I want to go home I said I've not come here for that and he just said to me he said Please, as managers do, you went, just give me one more month. He said, you know, we're, we're, on the, we're on the cusp of turning things around. I was like, we just got beat 5-0 against one of the worst teams in the league. We're on the cusp of turning things around. He said, I want to go home. She said, please, come out for a meal with me and my wife tomorrow and I'll do a deal with you. So I went out with him, with him and his wife and he said to me, he said, stay for one more month. If things don't turn around, he said, I will personally buy your plane ticket home. We won the next 12 games and we're top at Christmas. So there's, there's loads of little learning curves as well because there will be ups and downs when you go to new places and there will be an expectation level on you. And th- as much as you can embrace the culture and everything and in Belgium playing, then it was like after the game, you go and have a drink with the supporters. And that was it. And I did that. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, you know what? He's he's come here. He's, he, he wants to be around us. He wants to understand how the club works. And that's what I would say for... For anybody going abroad, doesn't matter whether you're playing football, doesn't matter what line of work it is, whatever country you go to, embrace it. Don't always look back and go, oh, but what about the country that I've left? Because you're always going to miss that area then. You've always got to, like I say, embrace the culture, embrace the area, and I think you'll find life a lot easier and people will respect you a lot more for it as well. Yeah, I think that would... uh... You know, I think um, I have heard you say that story before on a different podcast and I love it. And I love the guy as well, the Antwerp fan who, uh, that same fan who, and I'm telling your story now, but that same fan then when you were winning came up to you crying, ripped his shirt open. He had a big Antwerp uh, badge on his chest and uh, yeah, all was forgiven in the end. So uh, yeah, Mm. it was uh, all good. Um, Just before you go, I just want to touch on the, the, 
the rest of the Ukraine, particularly the Premier League. Uh, in a similar way to Stuart Finley, you, you, you kind of found you weren't getting as many games at United, so you decided to leave. You went to Derby and then played for Stoke, Sunderland, Southampton. You clearly had a thing for... And Sheffield United. You clearly had a thing for red and white <laughs> stripes. Um, <laughs> where, where would you say your happiest time as a footballer was? Oh, it was at Stoke City. It was just... So as a, as a as a younger player, you hear so many people say like, because what I tried to be as a younger player was just sort of a sponge and you just wanted to listen to the senior players and things like that. And when they spoke, I just kept quiet and just wanted to listen and just take everything in. And the amount of times, some of them would turn around and go, my favourite time was at this club or it was at that club. And I'd ask them why and they'd just go, it just felt right. And I was like, what do you mean? It just, it just felt right. And they were like, yeah, it just felt right. Just everything about the area, about the club, about the players, just everything to do with it. And I never understood it or never believed it till I joined Stoke City. Then, you know, I was there for a year in the championship. Then I went to Sunderland, who were in the Premier League, had a year there. And then Stoke got promoted. And then I went back to Stoke. And it was just an absolute pleasure to play those games at, at the Brit, especially in the Premier League. In that first year, you know, it was recorded at the time by Sky, one of the smaller capacities in the league, but the loudest in the league. Like, you you would think that you would get used to that noise being a home player playing there every other week. You would walk out of the tunnel and your hairs would stand on end. And then when the Delilah song would get going, it was just incredible. And it was it was an absolute pleasure and an honour for me to, like, to play there. And... Stoke is a very working class area. You know, they work hard all week. They then want to come to the game. They they don't necessarily need to see a player get the ball and take on five players. They just, they just rather see a player making a recovery run or going in with a 70-30 with a challenge against them and winning the ball. And that was me as a player. I wasn't silky skillful. I couldn't get the ball and and go and take four or five players on, or even one player at a time or anything like that. I was a player that was like, okay, if a manager said to me, go and run for a brick wall, I'd try and do that because I knew what my strengths was. And that that was my strength that I would, you know, give everything that I had. And that's what they wanted. And there was a group of players at that club in that period that mirrored the city and mirrored the fans. And for me, it was just... I had great times at other clubs as well, don't get me wrong. But it's just being part of being part of that journey at Stoke from joining the club just after Tony Pulis had come back in the championship and not really having a training ground. We just had a field, which we used to have to drive to from the stadium. You get in, what, 12,000, then all of a sudden there's going to be a red card um, demonstration against Tony Pulis. And then it was a masterstroke. He signed Lee Hendry. Then we signed more players. Then all of a sudden, we just missed out on the players, but we were arguably the best team in the league towards the end of the season on our performances. And then just seeing the team go from strength to strength and the club go from strength to strength as well. So there was just so much within there. But yeah, to, to go back to your question, it was Stoke City without question. Do you think at Stoke, because obviously at that time you were you were known for playing a certain style, a style that was uh, to your strengths, as you just said there. You knew your strengths as a player and Stoke played to your strengths. When you see 
teams now and uh, the popular way of playing is playing it out from the back, passing it around. And, and then we've seen now there's been so many instances where defenders or goalkeepers are passing it out and the attacker comes in and score. Does that frustrate you that teams, perhaps maybe you aren't good enough to play the Pep Guardiola style, especially in MLS, are playing it to the and then conceding goals? Do you Are you kind of screaming down your microphone going, just play to your strengths? No, no, not not at all. Not at all, because each, every manager has their, has their style, has their identity. And who am I to say that that shouldn't be their identity? I understand where you're coming from, from like players potentially not being, not being good enough. But, you know, as, as a manager, I think when you first go into a club, it is all about getting the results. So first and foremost, you get the results, that gives you more time. But then what you'll see is that a manager then wants to bring his ideas in. I think the most difficult thing can be is that if a manager comes in with a style and implements that style straight away when he hasn't necessarily got the players, the best managers are the ones that come in and go, right, okay, what suits the player's style? And then what I'll do as we win games, as we get higher up the league, that buys me more time. That gives me the opportunity to then go and bring players that do suit the style. But, no, the not at all. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me because you know the managers are there. What I would say that not bothers me, but frustrates me a little bit at, at times is that sometimes football can be very, for want of a better word, very snobbery, where it's like, well, there's only one way to play, and if you don't play this way, then it's not the right way. And I disagree with that because. If I was to say to most people, okay, what what would you prefer your team? Would you would you prefer prefer your team to play the so called wonderful game, but lose every game and finish bottom of the league, or would you prefer your team to play to its strengths, and get results and have success? Now, some supporters may turn around and go, I just want to see my team playing good football, even if we lose or whatever. So. That's the thing that frustrates me a little bit because at the end of the day, in football, when you get past a certain age. And when you're into, into the professional game, it's all about winning. So if you're turning around to a 16 and 17-year-old, an 18-year-old and saying, played really good football today, lovely football, I liked how we tried to play it out from the back, but we got beat 5-0. But then what happens to that player in a year's time when all of a sudden he's involved with the first team? They get beat 5-0. Is the manager going to come in and say, I like the way we played today. You know, you should be okay with that. So there has to be that crossover then. There has to be the crossover with the younger players going to, to the senior side of things. But... There's more than one way to win a game. So I do get frustrated when people say, oh, look at that, look at the way they're playing football. But that might suit that individual team. But in terms of getting frustrated from seeing players play out from the back, very, very rarely do I get frustrated because it adds to the excitement and it's obviously what the manager wants. So it is each to their own. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. I mean, you've given so much time and I, I really do appreciate it. I've loved the chat and I've got to say, I mean, it means nothing coming from me, but the the passion, the uh, intelligence as well you've got for MLS, even in a short time of you, uh, you know, taking it in, is I've loved this chat. So thanks very much for for joining Thank us. You. Just before you go, I've got to ask. I mentioned before that your missus is from America this winter. Is it going to be a split household? Are you going to have your your, your uh, flags of no. Saint George's up in the no. window? That's it. That's it. That's it. Job done. <laughs> and yeah but it's going to be interesting because I've had so many people come up to me and go how do you think you know the US will do against England and it's like you just don't know you go back to 2010 
you know, and they, they've got some, they've got some good players, the US, you know, no question. They've got some good players, but no, I'll be, I'll be buying the England shirts for me and, and the kids and the wife. So, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. But then, you know, I'll be supporting the US the rest of the way through the World Cup as well as England. But that, that one game, you know, I've, it's got to be about England. Well, you're okay. You've got just the two teams to decide. We've got, obviously, as the MLS UK show, we've not only got England, we've got Wales, we've got the US, Canada as so well. On, we, uh, so, well, so what are you doing? We've got, to stick, you with, doing? We've got to stick with England. Got yeah, to. That's England, it. England first and then US and Wales can it, make fight it, it out. Team. Yeah, there and, you go. Uh, I mean, as long as Iran lose every game, then we're uh, we covered on all bases. There, yeah, yeah you're, co- you're covered with the group. But no, I want to, I want to see the US do well. Obviously, you know England first and foremost. But my second team then is to look out for is the US. You know, I've been following how they've been doing the young players coming through, and you know the how well they got through to the World Cup as well because there were some challenging games and they dealt with it. They had a lot of injuries. Hopefully, there are some injuries that you know they've got at the moment to, to key players where they'll be fit and raring to go for the World Cup. And then, you know, England-US game, it'll, it'll be a close game. I don't think I don't, I don't don't think it will be one-sided. I think there's a lot of individual talent in this US team and the average age of the team as well. That's the biggest thing. It looks so good for the future for them. I echo that. I think, uh, yeah, 2026 World Cup might be the time where the US really make a mark on the World Cup. Um, Danny, thanks so much. As I said at the very start, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, not only about MLS, but to a fellow Mank as well. Um, <laughs> enjoy the rest of the season enjoy the World Cup and uh, hopefully we'll get to speak to you again soon you too take care mate the MLS UK show so there we go that was part two of my chat with Danny Higginbottom I hope you really enjoyed it if you missed part one don't forget you can go and listen back to that on your podcast provider or on YouTube um, after this episode finishes if you've not listened to it it'll probably send you there anyway so uh, while you're there, if you're on your podcast provider, please leave us a rating. Elliot won't forgive me if I don't say five stars only LA Galaxy style. It really helps us out when you leave a rating with five stars. And on your uh, YouTube as well, subscribe, click the notification bell. It all helps. And like every single one of our videos. Okay, you don't have to do that, but that would help as well. Uh, right, we'll be back very soon. Elliot's still on his honeymoon. We'll be back with a main episode and an episode of Stoppage Time. Uh, I hope you're enjoying MLS while we're having this mini break. Last weekend, it was a record amount of goals. It's All-Star Week this week. Elliot really knows when to choose his time off. Uh, But we'll be back very soon. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks again. See ya. Sports Social Podcast Network.